The End Ah, those fateful words after months spent writing this book. But this one didn't want to depart easily. My gaze wandered to the fireplace where log ashes now smoldered in a faint red glow. Earlier, the cheery, leaping flames had helped chase off the dreary December evening lingering outside the patio door. The stack of firewood lay out there also, the empty log carrier tilted precariously amid scattered bark debris. After tossing the last piece of wood on the fire hours ago, I'd started to fetch more, but gotten sidetracked by a new word to use on a problematic phrase. I'd raced back to the computer instead, and now the wood was damp from the rain I hadn't noticed falling. Good grief, how long ago was that? I asked the Casper clock my 80-year-old neighbor Granny Chisholm had given me, which sat on the mantel above the fire. The digital numbers on the friendly ghost's wide belly blinked just then, and four boo-bongs chimed an answer into the stillness. The reason for my vexing attitude had to be the time. Four in the morning, not afternoon. Exhaustion dragged at me after another marathon stint at the keyboard. Everything had finally clicked into place on the just-completed book. Hadn't it? All loose ends tied up, an extremely satisfying ending after an ever-threatening suspense world in which my characters continued to be outsmarted by a devious villain. Yet something niggled me, and a reluctant muse refused to cooperate. Maybe he needed a nap, too. After one more of the numerous backups on the manuscript, I rose and stretched, hands massaging a spot on my lower back. Ergonomic safety never seemed to soothe the sore spot, since at times I lost myself in the story and didn't heed the rule to take periodic breaks. Still, the words had flowed from flying fingertips, and I'd taken advantage of the last rush to the ending. I was even a couple of weeks pre-deadline. So why didn't I feel the customary satisfaction? Have a smile on my face and the need to stumble off to the bedroom and crash on the stupendous new mattress I'd bought with my last royalty check. Could there be some glitch in the manuscript I hadn't noticed? One I'd be embarrassed about when my editor caught it instead of me. After checking to make sure the fire screen was secure, I wandered out of my study and down the hallway to the front door. None of my paranormal residents were around, surprising, since ten ghosts reside in my haunted cabin with my pets and me. Come to think of it, none of the six cats roamed under my feet. Cats sleep a lot, though. More unusual was I didn't see Trucker, my 150-pound Rottweiler, anywhere. Maybe he'd taken a doggy potty break through the rear doggy kitty door. I slipped into a pair of loose sandals and walked out onto the front sun deck, grimacing when a mist of rain hit me. Despite the protective overhang, a pre-dawn breeze off the lake across the road carried rain droplets and snakes of fog onto the deck and there were at least two of my pets, Trucker and Miss Molly, 
my Siamese, and head honcho of the cat menagerie. Miss Molly abhorred wetness, but she stood between two railing posts, intent gaze toward the lake. Trucker stared in the same direction and didn't acknowledge my presence. Hey guys, what's up? I asked. They didn't answer. Animals don't talk. If they ever did, I'd be much more shocked than when a ghost visualized unexpectedly. I see ghosts. I talk to ghosts. And I enjoy the heck out of my paranormal adventures most of the time. I even allow the ghosts who live in my cabin with me to linger as long as they follow the rules of the Howard and Alice Ghost Agreement. <laughs>